Hello and welcome to the final episode of the Slow Home Podcast for 2017. I'm Brooke McCallery. Welcome. My name is Ben McCallery. It is the final. It is also episode 221 for those playing at home. And we've got, well, we were going to do a year in review and we thought that we'd probably covered off our year in the last three or four episodes. Yeah, there's been a couple of check-in kind of episodes and to be honest, I'm sort of sick of talking about ourselves. Yeah, but what I will say is it has been a a huge year for us, Mm -hmm. probably the biggest year in many ways. But I I thought maybe we could just firstly just reflect on this point of time that we're in right now and it's the the kids last day of school mm. and the mixed emotions that we've we've had this morning yeah so they they won't be back next year as you may know we're we're traveling and doing the distance education thing and uh yeah i'm i am a really mixed bag at the moment i'm i'm so excited about what next year will bring but i'm also sad and yeah. um I, I think maybe it's a natural part of leaving a place that you start to view it differently you know you stop taking for granted the things that are good about it because you know that you've got a limited time with those things and those people and the opportunities that it brings so I think that's where I'm at at the moment not in the slightest bit concerned that we're making the right choice or regret regretting any kind of decision but just very much all in that nostalgia and that soaking it in, which I was thinking about it this morning. I was trying to force myself to not feel those feelings, sadness and longing for something that no longer or that will very soon no longer be ours to to have. But as I always talk about, the only way through those kinds of experiences is to allow ourselves to experience them fully. So I'm just I'm okay with feeling mixed emotions. Mm. And I think our kids are going to struggle a a little bit over the next couple of days because they'll be seeing people today that they may not see ever again. We don't know whether we're going back to that school. So I think they're going to be showing some pretty big emotions as well. And so I think it's important for us to just to, you know, be with them and listen to them over the coming days because, you know, they're, they're probably... Their small bodies probably aren't used to experiencing these type of Big things. Big emotions, yeah. yeah. Anyway, we're, we're going to keep the rest of the episode fairly light. We are. And so that's where we are at the moment. But let's get into this episode, which is going to be all about our top 10 favourite lists of the year. Kick things off. We're going to let me ask you first of all. Okay. So we've got our top ten list. So there are ten topics that we'll discuss, and the first one is Brooke. What was your favourite TV show of the year? Hmm. This was a good year for TV. I struggled to get it down to two. Well, you've got it down to two. I have. Okay. What about one? I can't. Oh, uh, you say both of them and then I'll pick the right one. Oh, okay. New one to us that we only recently finished watching, Godless, yes. Netflix series and Stranger Things. Okay. Stranger Things season two. Mm-hmm. 
I'd have to go with Godless. Yeah, it was really, really good. I think Stranger Things 2 really relied too much on the uh, fantastic, like last year, Stranger Things, easy wins. But uh, Godless, what a a discovery that was. Mm. For anyone out there that hadn't seen it, it's a bit like Deadwood. And for those that haven't seen Deadwood, it's a... Western. Yeah, a Western set in... I don't know what state is it set in Montana. No. Deadwood, I can't remember, but Godless is set in New Mexico. Is it New Mexico? It's shot in Santa Fe. It's phenomenal. Pretty, pretty brutal. Oh, the the landscape, mm. unbelievable. I want to go to New Mexico now next yeah. year just to see that sort of environment. Exactly, it's incredible. But why? Why is that your favourite? Oh, it's just a great story. And it's very much of the times too, like a lot of really strong female characters and that's what hooked me in. We hadn't, I hadn't heard of it and we watched the trailer and it's the, the, I guess the premise of the story is these women live in a mining town in uh, New Mexico in the 1800s and one day 99% of the men who are all working in the mine uh, are killed in a mining accident mm. and this this town survives with a handful of men and the rest of the population women and it's like that's kind of the starting point mm. that's not the whole story but it's it's phenomenal really awesome characters uh, and also I think because it's a limited series I don't think it's coming back I think it was just a one shot seven episode are you thing serious? I think so I could be wrong but I kind of hope it doesn't because it was yeah. so satisfying and just like a, a solid old school mini series, seven episodes. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. The acting was awesome. The story was fantastic. I, I don't. Know, I just loved it. I mm. love. I like a western though. Mm. It's it's not for the faint of heart. Like there yeah, are some pretty, pretty brutal. brutal scenes in yeah. it. It's not one to at all watch with the kids. Oh, no, <laughs> no, it definitely isn't. What's your favorite TV show? Okay, mine. Is one that again that I've seen recently. It's always top of mind, I guess, with these sorts of things. It's a bit hard to remember what you were watching way back in January, mm-hmm. but uh, my favourite, and I, it's weird. It's called Samurai Gourmet on Netflix. I wondered if and that you're going to you're going to laugh because you watched <laughs> half an episode and couldn't stand it. But for some reason, this really spoke to me, and I. It's a okay. So here's what it is. It's a, this professional businessman in Japan. He's just retired. He's sixty, and wakes up one day and he's got all this time on his hands. He's used to working long hours, going into the city, and the whole show. And it's 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 a fictional show. Like it's not a documentary mm-hmm. or anything. And he just discovers the simple joy in things and things like walking around his neighborhood. And eating, most of it is about eating, um, just eating these traditional Japanese dishes in his neighbourhood and there's a story that goes with it every single time. And weirdly he sees this samurai that only he can see and the samurai gives gives him this confidence to say, (laughs) you know, outrageous things. Nonetheless, it's just joy. It makes me joy. It's like a warm hug. Like it's very, it feels very familiar and I love, because we've been to Japan, Japan's going to be a recurring theme throughout my list, but because we've been there, it, it just bring, takes me back to Japan and mm-hmm. just those simple times where you sit down with a steaming bowl of 
you know, green tea or ramen, ramen or miso soup mm-hmm. or, you know, it just, oh, I love it. And it's pretty cringeworthy, like I've got to say. No, for, I, for, I get why for, you like for it. For most people. It's uh, subtitled, so it is, it is uh, it's made in Japan for a Japanese audience. Mm. And it's based on a comic, actually, I've okay. just found out. So there's a popular comic called uh, Gourmet Samurai. Anyway, if you if you want a warm hug Japanese style, check it out. <laughs> Next thing, favourite small detail of 2017. Okay, we haven't shared notes, so, Mm-mm. you know, apologies if we may, we may have similar things here, but intermediate fasting. Small detail. Yeah. Well, okay. it, is. it was a small change that has had a huge impact. Okay. So going 16 hours a day without eating, mm-hmm. fasting, massive energy and motivation boost. Yep. Massive, you know, metabolism boost, I guess, as well. But just that small change has meant, I don't know, I've become more productive. I'm less hungry. Um, having a big lunch is fine with me you know they do say that you know breakfast is the most important meal of the day but I just what I the way that I think about it is I just have my breakfast later in the day that's all it is and I also think that that applies to kids particularly uh breakfast is important Mm. because if our kids have a crappy breakfast they have a crappy day yeah yeah we've both done the 16 8 intermittent fasting for a few months and I'm a big Fan. Yeah, I don't think like I'm not ever, evangelizing ever about it. It's just a change that we've made that just happened really easily and it fits in with us mm. and our, you know, our lifestyle and our schedule and all that kind of stuff. And it's been awesome. Yeah. And um, look, we have on occasions. Oh, I'm not super strict you know, about it. You know, had breakfast when there's been a, I don't know, I don't know, something on. If we're out. If we're out or, yeah. So, you know, we're not like massively strict to it, but when we can, we do it and mm. it's awesome. What about you? What's the small detail that's changed you? Okay, so my small detail is is literally a small detail. Yeah, it's funny. How, yeah, how it's funny your your idea around, of what yeah. that meant compared mm. to mine, but that's fine. Mine is <laughs> a few months ago. I was out in the garden with our son, and we were uh, weeding the veggie garden. He found a dandelion, uh, and I held it up for him to blow. And he looked at it, and he said, "Mum, there's a baby praying mantis in there." What? And I looked in, like held the dandelion clock up to the light and there was a tiny baby praying mantis inside the dandelion. No idea. Like the dandelion was completely perfectly intact. No idea how it got in there, whether it hatched in there. Um, It was the most magical, unexpected, beautiful, tiny detail that I have ever ever seen and trust our son to see that yeah he is unbelievable yeah someone said i posted a photo of it on instagram and someone said how did you notice that and then they came back and replied to their own comment saying of course mindfulness like yes mindfulness but also like spending time with my son yeah spending time with kids is phenomenal for that Mm. sort of stuff because they do tend to slow down and look and particularly if you encourage it i mean he is one of those kids who would just just sit and watch ants for hours or he loves animals yeah you know blowing on a dandelion with an animal in that would be like oh no i don't want to do that no and he didn't (laughs) so but he decided that the uh the praying mantis was trapped so we very carefully plucked a few of the Mm. dandelion uh seeds out and 
and let the praying mantis out. Funny enough, though, we put it in the veggie garden and then um, a few weeks later we saw a praying mantis that was slightly larger, so he decided that that was, that was our guy. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I'll put the photo up on the blog, slowyourhome.com well, slash 221. Yeah, it's a few account. months ago, though. Okay. So yeah. Anyway, it was quite literally a tiny detail that made me so happy. What's your favourite movie of 2017? This I, this is hard because I haven't watched many movies this year no, that, that are new. Neither of us have, I don't think. Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yeah, I've got the same Probably answer. one of the only movies I've seen this year. I, we've watched a lot of really great TV shows. haven't watched a lot of movies. So why? Why is it your favourite? Fun. Yeah. It's just fun. I love Guardians. I love the first one and I love the second one. Mm. I love the music. Mm. It's just ludicrously fun. It's been a good soundtrack to have around the house. Yes. Yeah. Some really cool music, but for me, it's the same. But it was—it's more like it's—is it the best movie ever made? Absolutely not. Even it's probably not even in the top fifty best movies of this year. But just being able to see it with you during the day, (laughs) you know, while the kids are at school, we promised ourselves that we'd go to the movies way back when in two thousand sixteen. We were like, okay, this is what we're going to do. You know, have that flexibility and be able to, you know. Do things like that together. Do like these cheeky little dates. We did it once this year. Which is one more than last year. Exactly. It felt strangely wrong but awesome at the same time. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. It was just just beautiful to be able to do that yeah. and have that experience. Um, so we could have gone and seen any movie and it probably would have been my favourite movie just for that reason. Yeah, but I did enjoy that movie a lot. So the next one is what's your favourite destination, but what's your favourite new destination? New destination. Yeah, so you would have had to have been there for the first time this year. Right. So I have written down Bellingen, which is a town just in the hinterland uh, of the, the north coast of New South Wales. We came through Bellingen on our road trip when we hired the camper van and drove out to Tamworth, up to Armadale, into Brisbane to do book tour events. And then on the way back down from Brisbane, we stopped in at Bellingen. I had been there once when I was a kid with my parents and loved it. But uh, as an adult, I've never been. And we drove in. I remember you and I both drove in. It was getting dark. Um, as we were driving the camper van into Bellingen, you come through this gorgeous kind of farmland area, but the the, the light was phenomenal and the colours. Uh, we both wound down our windows and it was warm, I remember, even though it was June or July, it was warm. No, it was September. Mm. It was warm and gorgeous. And we both said, this feels like somewhere special. And I'm basing that on not very much at all. We couldn't even stay for very long. Uh, I think we're only there overnight and we explored very briefly in the morning. But, you know, those places that just feel like there's something special there or something there that you want more of in your life. That's mm. what I felt like. It's And it's for all, all the reading I've done about it and um, it's a pretty special place. Mm. You know, it's that that hinterland kind of vibe that we both love and it's a town that seems to value slow you know, in terms Absolutely. of pace, but also in terms of all the other things that that entails, like good food and, um, you know, quality and sustainability and community. So that was a beautiful discovery and I'm hoping that we get to spend some more time there. Yeah, absolutely. For me, I have two and mm-hmm. I can't, you're allowed two for one topic. Oh, so the rules have changed now. Okay, fine. 
Uh, Nazawa Onsen. Yes. A ski town in Japan in the province of Nagano that we visited really early this year, back in January. And it was absolutely fantastic. It blew all expectations mm-hmm. away about what what I thought of as a, a ski village. You know, we've been to a few in North America, in Australia, but never in Japan. And mm. it was just an amazing place, mm-hmm. an amazingly restorative place because of the amount of snow we got, which was awesome. Yeah. But the onsens, the actual onsens in the village, yeah. and there was like 17 public onsens plus countless other private onsens, I just think it was just just an awesome, awesome place. And I can't wait to go back there. Like, honestly, cannot wait. I have so much fondness for that time. It was phenomenal. I know we did speak about it way back in February, I think, when we came back the beginning of the year. But uh, learning about onsens was like it really changed my perspective on a lot of things Mm. and it sounds so silly because it's essentially just bathing but the ritualized nature of using an onsen and the etiquette and the for me the body positivity side of it which is not at all what it's designed for but Mm. it's what I took out of it you Mm. know just was amazing and to be Mm. able to do that with our daughter and you did it with our son and it was I, I don't know it's it's Kind of hard to articulate why it was so because, impactful, but well, it was. Because it was so foreign and we were so nervous, I guess, in the first instance of, you know, being naked in public, in a public space. You know, like I just think that that's the society which we've been brought up in. Yeah. But to, to shed that, that you know, image and then just do it and yeah. and, and then understand how good it was, I think is... Yeah, it's huge. And I think we both kind of fully immersed ourselves into it too. We're like, well, in for a penny, in for a pound. Let's yeah. do this and let's actually understand and enjoy the rituals of mm. it too. And there's another place that I'll mention briefly now as well. But both these places, I just think in their essence, there is this slow living element mm. that underlines everything. And Nazau Onsen for me was definitely that. I, I think the locals were all living this slow existence. And this mindful existence. I don't know whether that's all over Japan or not, but I just really felt it at this place. It was simple too, like the the accommodations and you know the traditional exactly. Japanese accommodations yeah. of just the the futons on the floor and yeah. a small shared space. I get it. I just get it. I, I feel like I need to do more research into their yeah. culture and unpick that and why is it that it's so slow and anyway. The other place is the Shannon. Yeah. Yeah, up in. Uh, in the Byron Bay hinterland. We went there at a, a private property. We camped, you know, basically along their driveway uh, and this lovely old couple that, yeah, just freely open up their their gates for, for travellers to stay and just the area of the Shannon was is just wonderful. Mm. It's like know. Bellingen. It's got that same kind of yeah, feel. That There's something magic there. I don't know. It's this organic you not only can see things and feel things, excuse me, and feel things, but you can taste them as well. I don't like it is an undescribable extra sense that you get in Mm. those places. Mm. It's like a a mystic type feeling. I've Mm. never had it anywhere else. They say that the rock 
the volcanic rock along that hinterland area near Byron and then that probably extends all the way down through Coffs Harbour and then Belgian. It's the most rich in this specific t- type of volcanic rock. Right. And it's supposed to be, it's very, and apologies if I've, I've got this wrong, but the Indigenous people uh, that, you know, settled in those areas, the Shannon in that area was a real special for females and giving birth and I don't know, like it's a very like holy place. Yeah, I, I've had conversations with people similarly about Byron. It's a place of healing for women. Healing, mm. yeah. So there's something pretty magical about it. I mean, Byron's great, but I love the, the hinterland mm. area a lot more. Mm. It's a lot more my pace, I think. Definitely. It's less, less of a scene. Yeah, definitely. But the Shannon is, is pretty amazing. And I find it interesting that whenever you and I make big decisions, we're almost always away from home. Mm-hmm. And that's where we were when we went camping up at the Shannon uh, in June where we decided a lot of things actually, but that's when we decided to close down Jackrabbit mm-hmm. and that took several months from that point onwards. But that's where we made the decision because we reevaluated our time and our energy and our priorities. Yeah. And from that decision came the decision to do everything that we're doing now, selling the house, heading off on an adventure, <laughs> packing everything up. So it, again, will always be a place that I think of fondly and I'd, I'd love to go back and hang out with Nan and Hugh too because they were just cool people. Exactly. Nan and Hugh, the people who own the property that we stay at, are who I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> so what's your favourite book of 2017? Now that's going to be particularly hard for an author. Yes. Published author. Yeah, not so much because I'm a published author but because I just read constantly. Mm. I have two. Okay. This is my two card. No, you've already had it. No, no, I kind of have. I'm changing the rules. I have two. The first is The End of the World Running Club by Adrian Walker. It's uh, an apocalyptic story of awesomeness. Really just <laughs> loved it. Absolutely loved it. Uh, I think it's it stuck with me. I don't want to give too much away, but it's, uh, it, it's fantastic. I liked it a lot. And the second one is a Stephen King. Actually, it's a Richard Bachman book. The Regulators. Oh, it's, wow. Is that one of your favourites? I really liked wow. it. Wow, okay. Yeah, so it's under his other, his pen name. Yeah, The Regulators. So it's a like a sister book to Desperation. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was great. It's just an unusual book that I can't really describe why I liked it so much other than it's it ties a lot of the Stephen King universe together. There's a, like The more I read of his books, the more I see those tendrils of connection between all of his stories and his world and it's amazing I, i'm reading from a buick 8 at the moment which i'm really enjoying and that's not dissimilar in in the way that there's a lot of even just names and mm. places or cars or yeah. particular symbols start to make themselves known in so many of his books and i yeah i really 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 liked it the connection there i have to admit that i didn't really read a lot of books this year mm. I've only read maybe 10, if that. So for me, it's another, it's a Stephen King book and it's The Dark Tower. So I started that, I don't know, midway through the year, got through three books. Three of seven. Three of the seven. And I really liked the second one in the series Mm -hmm. because the first one was just way too, I don't know, it was on a different level. I just wasn't used to it. But the second one actually started to make a lot more yeah. sense and I just felt it was a better story. 
so that's without reading them all, of course. I've I've read a, another couple. I've read a few biographies as well. But yeah, I think uh, that that one was really cool, and it sort of got me back into Stephen King, with obviously your influence as well. What are you talking about? I never speak about Stephen King except all the time. Okay, so number six, I think we're up to. Do you have a favourite discovery? Mm. Something that you've realised, something that you've yeah, learnt, I, I guess? I, I guess for this year my motto at the start of the year was take more risks. So I can unequivocally say that I definitely have taken more risks this year. Yep. And so the discovery for me is how brave I've been and we've been. And how much courage we've had to do those pretty significant and take those pretty significant risks. Mm -hmm. So everything from, yeah, closing, like you said, closing down Jackrabbit, going in a different direction, you know, admitting that some things just didn't work and just shifting gears and going about things a little bit differently through to selling the house and being a little bit more countercultural and, I think this year I, I made the discovery that the way that I perceived my career 10 years ago is changed significantly. Mm. So my identity, the way that I saw myself has had to, you know, adjust a little bit. I'd say more than a little bit. Yeah, so I, I felt like this year was the coming of age for me for that stuff. Mm. And uh, I, was, I was surprised at how brave and, and how courageous we both have been in those in those big areas. Mm. Do you think mentoring has helped you with that Without stuff? a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. Because So this is your second year of working in the mentoring program and you also, the reason we're up near Byron is because you did a, a leadership camp mm. with Anna Rubenstein who's mm. been on the podcast before. I saw a big change in you after that. Yeah, and it's all relative. I mean, because you as a mentor, you're supposed to never give advice to your mentee. I mean, that's that's the way that this program's set up. You never tell, you know, your mentees what to do. You know, you should be doing this. They get enough of that from their mums and dads and friends and everyone else. It's just to listen and then share your stories and your circumstances and the way that you did things. And it I think it's given me license to to to, to live more like the way that I want to live. Mm. You know, and, and forever and a day, you know, where I, I'm saying to these young men, you know, you're only 16 or 15 or whatever, you know, take a chance or give yourself a break or just live life and 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 follow your passion, and and for some reason that I'm like, hey Ben, take your own advice there, champion. <laughs> so it's been yeah, that's been really good. I think over the past couple of years, that's been one of the most transformative things you've last two years you've done. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and thanks to your dad for for dragging me into it. But thanks to you for committing to it. That, I know, you know I've loved it. Yeah, I think it's been phenomenal. So my discovery is nowhere near as deep as that. Okay. I have really enjoyed watching our son and then by extension myself discovering karate. Mm. So he's been going for a couple of terms and 
I have been just so impressed by it could be that the school that he's at you know and his sensei but the emphasis on ritual and the emphasis on respect and discipline and you know practice and all these other things but but the ritual and respect aspects of karate have been amazing like I'm, I'm truly impressed with it as a you know as a as an activity or a sport, people often ask us what our kids do, you know, because I think parents really struggle with how much or how little their kids should, you know, quotes be doing each week, because this is part of the, the thing. I think that people are struggling with, with fast living versus slow living. Mm. If you've got kids, you spend so much of your time in the car or running them around on the weekends and all that kind of stuff. So people obviously want to know what our kids do and we try and keep it to a manageable level they usually do one to two things at a time and that's works for us because every family is different but his has been karate for the last two two terms and it's just been wonderful awesome yeah i i I mean it's a funny thing for me to say is a discovery of the year but it really is not really i mean you you said at the beginning so much of what we're talking about ties back to slow and i think karate actually does Mm -hmm. i'm truly enamored with with it as a mm. as a practice mm. and a discipline and i think that that's something i'd like to to get into when we get back or even if we're traveling i don't i don't know mm-hmm. what's your favorite album of the year jack johnson's uh all the light above it two again a new one but i really liked that album i like that album a lot all the light above it two that's the name not number two, or the light above it also. Too. Okay, got yeah. it, got it, got it, yeah. <laughs> like where's, where's all the light yeah. above it one? Because, I don't know, we've had an affinity with Jack Johnson, have we? Yeah, it, we, I, <laughs> I tried to get him on the podcast because yeah. that's just that easy. Obviously, it's going to happen. That di- okay, cool. But I realised when I was considering that, his music has been the basis of the soundtrack of our lives. You know, his first album came out, I think maybe the year we finished uni. And when I got my first job out of uni at, in the film industry, my coworker was in love with Jack Johnson and she would play his first album. And so that became part of that experience. And then when you and I were traveling the next year, we had both of his albums and we would listen to it on our little Discmans and (gasps) while we were working at the ski hill. And then driving across Canada yep. in our in our Sound Dodge, it was yeah we had two albums and it they were both Jack Johnson. Yeah. But then when um, we got married, I think he had another album out. But the year that a daughter was born, he brought out the Curious George soundtrack, and so we'd listen to that for about two years in the car. And just every big milestone, milestone mm. has had some kind of Jack Johnson element. So he brought out an album this year just recently a couple of months ago and I really like it he's he writes beautiful love songs for his wife but he's also quite pointed and political in this album which he's never been before mm. and I mean I'm picking up what he's putting down so I it's I think it's fantastic yeah. yeah yeah I think he's basically saying what we talk about which is we need to we need to care mm. if no one cares then mm. nothing's going to change we need to stand up we need to pay attention. We need to be good people to the people that we love. We need to be good to the planet. We need to stand up to things that we know are wrong. And But it's not in the slightest bit of heavy album. It's, yeah, I just, I really liked it a lot. 
What about you? So my favourite album's The War on Drugs, mm-hmm. Lost in the Dream album, which is not their most recent one, which was A Deeper Understanding, which was released this year. Just haven't gotten around to listening to that. But it came about through a Spotify playlist called Van Tunes that we listened to while driving. Yep. Doing one of our many road trips throughout the year. And I love this. I'm late to the War on Drugs party. I will admit that. I love their sound. Mm. I love their Bruce Springsteen slash oh, like pulsating rock tune. Like it's just I really dig. It's beautiful. Dig their music. And, yeah, I've been sort of obsessed with them and that particular album and I, I'm looking forward to getting more into a deeper understanding. It's weird. I don't think we listen to like albums a lot. No, it's an, it's unusual now to listen to albums, and that's why rather I, playlists. Yeah, yeah. But I I like listening to a full album. I think it's important to listen to a full album when there's something. I mean, an artist puts together the album for a reason. They don't just create a whole heap of singles. Well, some do, but if they wanted to create a whole heap of singles, that's what they do. But there's a reason for an album being structured the way it is. And I think we lose something in music when we don't sit down and listen to a whole album. And I think that's changing for us since we've got the record player. You listen to an album, right? You don't just you don't listen to a playlist. It's not easy to skip around and shuffle the order of tracks. So, yeah. you know, and that's something Jess Davis from Folk Rebellion talks about a lot. The going back to the analog life of listening to vinyl, listening to full albums totally. on vinyl. Yeah. It's, it's it's something different. Like yeah. you, and it's an active listening. And then when the A sides finish, you have to get up, you have to flip it over. You have to be paying attention because we were acquired a, a record player from. It was a hand-me-down from your mum and dad, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. So we we got to experience that um, and it was fantastic. Mm. Okay, what's your favourite podcast? What's your favourite new podcast? So this is all about new yep. things for 2017. So Favourite new podcast? Favourite new podcast. S-Town. S-Town, mm-hmm. yep. Same people who made Serial mm-hmm. uh, made S-Town. Very different to Serial. I liked it more than Serial. Did you? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, listen to it. Haven't listened to it. You haven't listened to it. Yeah, I, uh, I have never been moved to tears by a podcast before, and this one had me in tears a number of times. It's just a very uh, moving human story, and not at all what it starts out like is is the way that it ends. What does that mean? (laughs) So it is a story. Exactly. (laughs) It doesn't start out with the end in mind. No, it's it's fantastic. What about you? There was two. There's two. And, <gasps> oh yeah, I'll take that. Leave it as <sighs> well. Um, first one was my brother's podcast that he <laughs> released really under the the auspice of Jackrabbit FM called Scrub FM. Seamus McCallery, ninety eight point something. So funny. Mental. So funny. So ridiculous. He's a funny guy, my brother, and. You know, it was 10 episodes of complete mayhem. But I just love, you know, that that sort of humour. So I, re- I really dig that. It's absurd. Just absurd. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and that's no apologies for that. Yeah. Also, don't listen to that one with your kids. Absolutely not. And don't listen to this one as well. This is GK and F. Again, full disclosure, one of them's my cousin. But it's... It just and I've listened to a lot of different podcasts this year, and it all comes down to me. Like, I bumped into a, a CEO that I worked for yesterday, actually, and I got talking about podcasts, and he asked me what makes a good podcast, mm-hmm. and I said, authenticity, 
and sharing stories, just major elements in a good podcast, is the ability to share a story and a personal experience and have some sort of deeper level to it. And for me, this is this GKNF as yet untitled podcast. It's just great chat between two friends, getting other friends on or other other people with interesting stories to tell. And, you know, it's I like it because they're talking about topics that like mateship, like the importance of men having conversations and how they're feeling and or things like sport mm. and, you know it's very diverse and really interesting and i think it's it speaks to a greater movement that, that i've seen mm. and i hope to continue to see mm. of men being encouraged to have those deeper conversations mm. women have been fortunate in that way that they we don't necessarily feel as ashamed if mm. that's the right word of mm. having those conversations but men have struggled with that mm. speaking in very broad brushstrokes here but it, i feel like the past few years has seen a shift mm. uh in me again going back to your mentoring like that's i think indicative of that that totally. shift and the men that you have worked with as the mentors and then the, the young men as mentees like encouraging that that sharing mm. and I know that whenever we have a conversation about it on this podcast or when you've done a few interviews with other men we always get an influx of emails from people saying I wish this is something that there was more of not necessarily even just in the podcast but in their own lives yep. so I think that the podcast that you're talking about is wonderful and it just mm. gives people an opportunity to listen in and, and stoke that fire and hopefully have a mate who listens to it and then you can sit down and, and talk about it. Yeah. So I love having a beer or a drink with a mate and, and talking in that environment, but this is slightly different, even though sometimes they, they do have a drink, but it's just bigger conversation. Yeah. And if you're not having those conversations, I think listening to them is just as good. Mm. So we will have links to those podcasts in the show notes for today as well over at slowyourhome.com slash 221. What's next? Uh, favorite meal. What was your favorite meal of 2017? It's a bit weird, this. That's, that's a weird one. Okay. So I had a couple, but I'm going to go with the – I was down in Melbourne in August for a conference, but the night before the conference, my mate Stacy from Veggie Mama came and hung out with me at the hotel, and she brought me the most delicious sandwich I've ever had in my life. And I still think about it and talk about it a lot. What was it? It was from Smith and Daughters. Uh, so it's like a, a vegan butcher kind of thing. Um, it's It was a vegan Cuban sandwich, I think. No idea how they made it, but it was the most tasty and delicious sandwich I've ever had. Uh, and it was made even better because we sat around and we talked for hours and we actually recorded a few episodes of a stalled podcast unyet, project really unreleased. as yet unreleased yeah. uh, project but Stace is the biggest Stephen King fan that I know so we had lots of chats yeah that's awesome but that was probably the most delicious thing I ate all year what about you it's all about the experience, isn't it? When it's it's not about oh, the food is great, but the meal component is like the overall experience, not yeah. just the food. But for me, it was sitting in a really small restaurant at a bar in Nazawa Onsen on stools with my family, and being served up this 
okonomiyaki, Japanese pancake, mm-hmm. uh, particularly the, the the squid with the fish flakes on top. After a long day of skiing, with a cold glass of Sapporo, and there was nothing better than that moment. That was really good. Just filled your belly with mm-hmm. warmness. Warmness. <laughs> that is. That's a phrase that we use. <laughs> and they're just awesome. What an awesome experience. Yeah. I'm very lucky to do that. But that was my favorite because it was just so fulfilling. Mm, in lots of ways. And, and I've never had it before too. So it was really a, a real new favorite meal. Yeah. So we're down to the final one and it's about our favorite experience. So this is really mm-hmm. intrigues me because we are all about experience. Absolutely. Here. Experience over stuff. So what has been your favorite experience of 2017? Look, I will have an answer, but I want to say that this year has been filled to the brim with amazing experiences. Uh, and I count myself so incredibly lucky that that's the case. I think that learning to pay attention to them means that they feel deeper, mm. those experiences. But I mean, just how lucky. What a fortunate year of, of amazingness. You know, yeah, there's been a lot of hard work thrown in there, but I can't, I can't overstate the amount of good fortune that has also gone into our year to be able to say it's been full of good experiences. Like that's, you know, that's oh. an incredibly lucky thing to be able to say. Absolutely. In saying that, one that sticks out specifically is in Japan where you went to Japan had never skied before. You and I, the kids had skied. We've always snowboarded, mm. but we decided on the first day, let's just try skiing. So we hired some skis. I'm laughing because this is mine as well. <laughs> oh, <is it? laughs> we got up to the top. We got, got in the gondola, got up to the top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. We're like, well, how do we ski? Well, I don't know. Let's just put them on and get down to the bottom of the mountain. And Brooke of a few years ago would have freaked out about that. And I had, I had a moment when we got on the, on the gondola, like, but we don't know how to ski. What if, what if we can't get down? What if, what if, what if living in fear? And you're like, let's just try. So we put on a take risk. Yeah, exactly. And that's what you said to me. Mm. You said, I want more of that this year. So let's try. And we put in our skis and I immediately fell over Mm. and I got back up and we made it work. And I remember, I mean, look, to be fair, we have spent a lot of time on ski hills. So I understood the way skis worked, if that makes sense. Like we've snowboarded, so I understand edges and I understand, you know, the very basics of how yeah. you stand and what you do. Exactly. It's not like I'd never seen snow before. But we figured it out and we we got down the mountain. But about two-thirds of the way down, we took this run that took us through the trees, just a beautiful, gentle little green run. And it had been snowing, but the sun had come out. And as we went through the trees, there was literally no one else around, just the four of us skiing down a mountain in Japan. And the snow was falling off the trees. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that beautiful glittery mm-hmm. thing as mm-hmm. it comes through the sun that was slanting in through the trees. And I remember just skiing through that and it was like an absolute wonderland, the way the the light fell through the trees, the way it was just the four of us, the sound of it, the joy of having tried something new and being that able worked. to do it. Yeah. yeah. It was just indicative of so much of how we want to live our lives, I think. Mm. Deep in the moment, trying new things, taking calculated, not dumb risks and 
showing our kids that, yeah, you can try things and, and not be good at them and still enjoy them. And, mm. you know, I think it was magic to me. Mm. It's, it's funny. I mean, that's exactly what I mean. I've got it here being bad at skiing down a hill. Yeah. Because I take this further in saying, yes, we, we tried skiing for the first time and we could do it. We discovered we could do it. But I want next year, I almost want to take that even further and then, because I, I think the the idea of of taking risks has really worked for us this year, mm. but I want it to grow next year and to the point of like, don't be afraid of failure, or accept failure. It's like you know, MythBusters motto: mm-hmm. failure is always an option. Yep. How far can we take these risks? I don't know. What do you have in mind? I don't know. This is what I'm just I'm just trying. I'm just playing with this idea because. The, the specific example I'll use is, yeah, first day we nailed it. Like we were just going down green runs. As time went on, I think we we're going down blue runs. Fine, no problem. You were fine. Yeah. And then <laughs> by the last day I was like tackling some of these black runs, not very well, and specifically this this black run was quite short but very, very steep, as steep as anything I think I've ever ridden on a snowboard. And... I sucked at it big time. It was the last run of the last day we were in Japan. And it's almost like I wanted my ass to get beat that day. Like I you wanted did. to fail. And I, I and because I wanted to feel failure and feel what it was like. So I would then not be afraid of it anymore. And I feel that that is what I want for next year, to be full of those failures. Right. And then to be able to learn and to take those as, you know, life experience because I think we will get a lot of life experience next year. We will. And I, I think I think you're right that pushing or trying things that we think won't work or to just not even that, to just go, well, let's just see, but having in our minds that failure is always an option is really important. Not only is failure always an option like, yeah, you could fail, that sucks, but, yeah, you could fail the end like that's okay you know what I mean there's no judgment on on trying something and it not working and I think that that is something that I would love to instill in our kids as they grow up too because I know that for me failure was one of the worst things I could possibly imagine as a kid and I carried that through into being an adult to the point where you don't try things because you're worried that you're gonna fail so that's why you stay where you are or you continue doing what you're doing even if it's not Mm. where you want to be exactly Yeah. yeah Like that's a, yeah, you took that where I didn't expect you to, but I think that there's something really important and integral in, in that idea of failure mm. for next year, mm. which is a good place to, to wind it up, I think. I just want to say before we finish, a, an enormous thank you to you for listening to the show throughout the year. I know it's been there's been a lot of episodes this year with the, the two episodes per week, as we mentioned in our last hostful next year we're going to go back to one episode a week and i think i'm really confident that we're going to actually do a much better job of those episodes for that reason like you said not, last not that we've done a bad job no 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 but i mean like you said our our whole motto is simplifying things doing less things but doing them better mm. being able to go deeper being able to be more present and again it's an experiment i have no idea how we will feel about that or how you'll feel about that listening but 
that's where we're at. I've yeah. really enjoyed this episode. Have you? Thank you. Oh, well, thank you. But thank you, yeah, very much for your support and for listening Absolutely. to the podcast. For anyone who has bought us bought the books over mm. the past year or if you're in the States, you'll get a chance next year or just supported us in any way. Send mm. a note, send an email, send a message, like to post on Instagram. I mean, I just think that we're, we're so fortunate to have this community that is starting to, mm. to swell up around this idea of slow and people are grabbing it and taking it where they want to take it. It's got very little to do with us, you know, but everyone's kind of come to this idea of slow and is making it their own. Mm. It makes me really happy because I feel like there is so much that the world could benefit from, from this idea of slow. And, uh, yeah, I feel very grateful to, to have been part of it this year. And I wish, I want to wish everyone a, a Merry Christmas. If you celebrate Christmas, happy holidays, enjoy any downtime that you may get. If you've got time with family and friends, just try and remember to spend a couple of minutes every day stepping back and soaking it in. And that can sometimes go quite a ways towards alleviating holiday anxiety and family anxiety and all those other things. And yeah, we will be back next week with the summer series, which will be five of our most popular episodes from 2017. And then we will be back in your ears live with new podcasts on the first of February, the first Thursday in February. Mm. I forget what date that is. Maybe the We're fourth? actually going to record that episode like just before we two fly out. days before we fly out. So I think that's going to be a really interesting episode. Mm. And we're taking a bit of time off. I'm very close to putting my out of office, uh, my out of office. (laughs) Just so looking forward to it. It's my favorite thing to do. Mm. My out of office response on and we will be off social media for a while. Just taking a genuine break from all inputs that aren't analog. No. Mm. So thank you again for a wonderful year. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Benny, thank you for a wonderful year. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you and thank you. And thank you. (laughs) Who is that? Hi, podcast.